You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Wednesday show for you. We're going to talk a little bit more about Nikola Jokic's dominance in his first NBA Finals. Got some great numbers for you there. I didn't even mention it about yesterday's gambling streak in regards to the NBA Finals. We'll go over that. The Golden Knights from Las Vegas are your 2023 Stanley Cup champions. They absolutely rout the Florida Panthers 9-3. Nine goals in a game-clinching Stanley Cup. I, I can't imagine that's ever happened before. We got news on the Las Vegas A's. There seems to be some headway-making uh, more is coming to the forefront in regards to the vote going down in Vegas. Seem to be making some headway on that. And for the third day in a row, yes, we're going to talk again college softball. Apparently, I've been sleeping on Jordy Ball, the pitcher from Oklahoma who is now transferring probably to the University of Nebraska. Holy crap, I found some stuff out on her that is eye-popping in regards to her high school career. And we'll get to that momentarily. So let's first start out with this. Denver, congratulations. First time in 47 years as an NBA franchise that you won an NBA title. Of course, there's some sad news attached to it, the fact that 10 people were injured in shootings in downtown Denver when everyone was out celebrating. This is a giant pet peeve of mine. It's not just to you, Denver. It's any city that they win a championship and decide to turn over cop cars, light cop cars on fire, vandalize the streets, act like hooligans, jump up on the light posts. It just, I don't get it. Yes, you can be absolutely ecstatic. Your team won a championship. And, you know, let's go to the Red Sox win in whatever year that was, 04, when it had been like 90 years since they'd won a World Series. Be excited as you want. Shed tears. Do whatever you need to do. I will just never understand acting a complete fool looting, breaking cop cars, and just turning into a hooligan because your team won a title. It makes zero sense to me because there's certainly other ways to celebrate than that. And unfortunately, I don't know if any deaths have occurred yet, if any of these injuries have turned into deaths, but 10 people apparently shot and wounded in downtown Denver during the celebration on Monday night. It's just sad. It's so And it's so avoidable, and it's so stupid. Just be happy, cheer, jump up and down, hug strangers, shed some tears. Just stop acting like idiots. Ugh. Anyway, Nikola Jokic. He became the first player in the history of the NBA playoffs to lead all of the playoffs in most points, most rebounds and most assists in one postseason. I, that's incredible. Incredible for a guy his size as well. Now, here was something they went over yesterday on NBA Live on ESPN. So they're going over statistics and they're going over everything that happened in the NBA Finals. And Richard Jefferson was breaking down Jokic's game and basically said, look, Let's take some of the all-time greats and what they did in their first time in the playing in the NBA Finals. Kevin Durant, first time playing in the NBA Finals, averaged 28 points a game. Pretty good, right? Joker averaged 30 this season, first time in the NBA Finals. 
First time ever in the NBA Finals, Magic Johnson, arguably the greatest point guard to ever play the game, right? He averaged 9.4 assists in his first time playing in the NBA Finals. Joker averaged 9.5 assists this postseason. Tim Duncan, one of the better power forwards, if not the greatest power forward of all time, in his first NBA Finals, averaged 11.5 rebounds in the Finals. Joker averaged 13.5 rebounds. So this guy has the scoring ability of a Kevin Durant, the wherewithal and the floor game of a Magic Johnson, and the inside game, rebounding game of a Tim Duncan. And he outperformed all of them in his first NBA Finals in those three categories. You might think that, okay, Steve, enough about Joker. I I can't. Everywhere you look, this guy is doing things that are unheard of. Led all of the postseason in points, rebounds, and assists as a seven foot one center who isn't the most athletic guy in the world either. <laughs> you know, I, I I was watching a little bit. Well, I didn't I didn't watch the episode. I saw the clips of it. Stephen A. Smith debating J.J. Redick regarding joker's dominance and Stephen a smith is you know basically saying for my money i still think Shaq is most dominant and jj reddick checked him he's like look steven it's clear that you're equating dominance with power because Shaq would get the ball down on the post bully people back into them and just dunk on their face something that nikola Jokic doesn't do but nikola Jokic still dominates there's no other word for it than leading all of the NBA in postseason in points, rebounds, and assists. That's domination. He just doesn't dominate like Shaq does because nothing he does is overpowering. He's just got, I mean, if you're comparing skill sets, it's not even close. Like when you say, who's the best center ever? Well, it depends. What are you judging it on? Just on looks? On physical sheer force? Then, yeah, you'd say Shaq. But I'm sorry, Nikola Jokic is... 50 times the basketball player than Shaq was. And I grew up in the Shaq era. I was a Laker fan. I was working for the rival station of the Lakers. I went to Staples Center when it opened. Our radio station broadcasted from there when it opened. I was right in the heart of L.A. Sports Talk Radio when the Lakers were dominant in the early 2000s. I saw Shaq play all the time. And I'm telling you, Nikola Jokic is 50 times the basketball player that he was, that that Shaq was. He could do so many more things on a basketball court. Look, I love Shaq to death. I think he's had a great postseason career. I think it's awesome what he does for the inner city kids, how much he gives back to the community. I love the guy. I'm just saying from a basketball perspective, what did he do? In all the years, he never developed a shot outside the key could never step out to 15 feet, shit, even 10 feet, and shoot a jumper. His game was all about power. And yes, the game had to be changed, and teams could not guard him. I get all of that. He changed the game for inside players. But in terms of a skill set, Jokic runs circles around Shaq. It's not even close. He can pass, he can dribble, he can shoot threes. Just, you can't compare. I'm sorry. You, You cannot compare. But if Shaq got the ball down on the post against Jokic, would he score? Absolutely. So I'm not saying Shaq wouldn't have played well if he played in today's game, you know, prime Shaq. But 
just looking at their skill sets. We can see what Shaq's skill set was in the late 90s and early 2000s, and we can see what Jokic's skill set is now, and it's not even close. So the NBA Finals gambling streak did not come to an end. I initially thought it did. Remember, I said the last 76 games in the NBA Finals since 2007, 76 games when the line is minus 6.5 or less, the team that wins the game covers the spread. They were 74-0-2. Well, on Monday night, Denver won the game, but they didn't cover. They won 94-89, but they were minus 8.5. Well, 8.5 doesn't count in this particular gambling statistic because it's minus 6.5 or lower. So the streak still continues, so keep it in mind when we roll around next June, if I can remember the stat, just remember, if the line is 6.5 or less, just pick the winner, and it hasn't lost in 17 years and 76 games. 74-0-2 NBA Finals games since 2007 where the line is 6.5 or less, the winning team has covered. So you either pick the underdog to win outright or the favorite. If they win, they're covering. Last night in hockey, the Las Vegas Golden Knights in only their sixth year of existence have won the Stanley Cup. They beat Florida 9-3. They win that series in five, just like Denver beat the Miami Heat in five. And I said this to my family. I said it to my friends. Look, obviously, you know I wanted the Dallas Stars to win. They played the Vegas Golden Knights in the Western Conference Finals. I thought the winner of that series was going to win the Cup, and it still stings a little bit. Vegas was the better team over the Stars. I'm not saying they weren't. I'm just saying if the Stars could have somehow slipped by Vegas and gotten to the finals of the NHL, I think they beat Florida. And that would have won me a good amount of money. So, yes, I'm a little bitter about that, but congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights. Six years in existence, two times they've been to the NHL finals. Once they lost to the Washington Capitals, then last night they cap it off. 9-3 win. It was over pretty much by mid-second period. I mean, they were up 4-1 and they were up 6-1 at the end of the second period, and that's basically all she wrote. The third period was just a formality. They got it to 7-3 was the closest that um, Florida got it, but then they pulled their goalie, and <laughs> Vegas had a long goal from Mark Stone that went, I don't know, 70 feet, and they put the goalie back in. They scored another one. 9-3 was the final. They're going to be celebrating in Vegas, certainly last night, into today, I'm assuming, there's a great reel going around on Instagram of where I was just at 10 days ago, the Mandalay Bay Lazy River, where they have the Stanley Cup in one of the inner tubes floating around the Lazy River at Mandalay. And while it was nice to see and kind of gave me a chuckle, it also kind of pissed me off a little bit because it just reminded me that 10 days ago, my flip-flops were stolen at the Mandalay Lazy River. And no. I'm not going to get over it. Even though I've already gotten a pair to replace them, the same exact pair, same exact size, I got them a day after I got back from Vegas. It still is a little disappointing to know that while the Stanley Cup will be floating around Las Vegas all summer long and players will be drinking out of it and everyone will be having a jolly old time with it, there is a possibility that somebody that gets to touch the cup or kiss the cup or drink out of the cup is doing so while wearing my Olukai flip-flops that they stole back on June 2nd. So screw you, thieves. 
I wonder if someone that's listening to this knows the person that stole him. Because I'm just like, why? I understand that they are a, they're a good pair of flip flops. They weren't just you know a five dollar, cheapo thing, seventy five dollar flip flops, but they're also a size thirteen. And pretty much everyone I saw in that day on that day, in that lazy river, were a bunch of kids. So, I just who stole them? Could someone just tell me? Someone just admit it to me. I won't even be mad. I just want someone to tell me, hey man, I saw your flip flops. They looked good, and my feet were burning, so I took them. Because, yeah, I told you about that day. Like, it was, there was not a cloud in the sky that day. I think it was about 92 or 93, and the ground was scorching hot. The sand at the Mandalay Beach was scorching hot. I literally could not walk more than 10 feet, 15 feet, without having to find something in the shade to just stand under that was a little bit cooler than the regular ground. It was it was awful. And even for a couple days after, I felt the bottom of my feet. No, thank God, no peeling. My skin didn't peel. It didn't burn. But I guarantee if I would have stayed out there longer or stood out there longer on it, I absolutely would have gotten burns and blisters on the bottom of my feet. So I just know next time, even though next year's party is probably not going to be at Mandalay, and I don't know when I'll be back at Mandalay Bay, I will say that, yeah, no. I, I know what I have to do next time, and it's not bring my good flip-flops to the pool, especially if I'm going in the Lazy River. I didn't bring this up in the open, but it leads into my next story. What the hell are the Oakland A's doing? <laughs> when they were sitting there at 12-50 and 50 and had been outscored by 220 runs on the season and were heading for the worst season in the history of all of sports, now they've won seven in a row. Are you kidding me? They just Not only did they win seven in a row, they just beat the Tampa Bay Rays last night. Yes, the Tampa Bay Rays, who have the best record in baseball by like five games. Tampa Bay Rays are 26 games over 500. The Oakland A's before last night were 32 games under. <laughs> and they beat them 2-1 in Oakland. They've now won seven in a row, the A's. Somebody tell them to stop. Just tell them to stop winning. But did you see what happened last night? They did a reverse boycott. So nobody's been going to the A's games this year, as we as we talked about. Last night's game, they've been averaging 8,500 a game. Last night, 27,000 showed up because they were doing a reverse boycott because they wanted to fill the stadium to prove their worth to owner John Fisher and Major League Baseball because they want Fisher to sell the team. They don't want him to move to Oakland, or they don't want him to move to Vegas. And yesterday... I talked about on the podcast how what's going on with the voting in Vegas. They still haven't approved anything. Well, yesterday, the Nevada Senate voted to approve $380 million in public money for the Vegas ballpark so so the A's can move there. And then the A's took to the, rever- to the reverse boycott uh, last night. So, I mean, it's working temporarily. They've won seven in a row, but it's almost like too little too late, you know? But... They, um, two hours before the game, the A's announced they were donating all the ticket sales from the game to Alameda County Food Bank and the Oakland Public Education Fund. Um, but it still looks like it's going to be the A's because Nevada voted eight to 13 to eight to give the owner Fisher a billionaire 
to the gap fortune what he wanted, a package of public funding that will pave the way for him to build a $1.2 billion stadium on the Vegas Strip. So it looks like it's going to happen. There's still some things that hurdles it needs to go through, but it definitely looks like it's going to happen now. The A's, while 27 people showed up to the uh, stadium last night to reverse boycott everything, and while it did get them a victory, they're seventh in a row, which is just mind-boggling to me for a team that was sitting at 12-50 and just a week ago is now 19-50. and Ugh. That's no fun. Anyway, they won, but they're still probably going to lose their team in the long run, so... Sorry, Oakland fans. The last thing I wanted to touch on for the third day in a row is women's softball. Because remember yesterday, my story was, hey, this ace pitcher for Oklahoma, who was 44-2 and two in her first two seasons with an ERA of one and two national championships under her belt and a two-time All-American, decided she wanted to transfer. And she hasn't, I don't think, announced where, but everybody knows apparently that she's going to back home. She's from Papillion, Nebraska. And her name is Jordy Ball, and one of the best pitchers we've ever seen in college softball. So I guess because Jordy Ball was a name that popped up on my phone and a name I had done a search for, then I start getting Facebook posts that directed me to her high school career. And I had no idea about this. So Jordy Ball, we know, 44-2 and two in her first two seasons at Oklahoma, two national championships, two All-American votes. She's a two-time All-American. And you know, 44 and two, 1.00 ERA and two national championships along with a two-time All-American. What I didn't know was her high school career. Maybe if you're from Nebraska, you've heard of this girl and you're very well aware of her high school doings and how good she was in high school. Look, when you get to softball and you're dominant, the numbers do get kind of ridiculous because you just, you're never going to see that in college baseball. No, no college baseball pitcher is going to be, well, you, first off, you don't pitch as often as a softball pitcher does. You only pitch every five days or whatever. But you're just never, you're never going to get by anybody in college that's like in their college career they were 27-1 and one or something ridiculous. It's just it's, – you can't – it just doesn't happen. Softball, you have seen some ridiculous numbers. But this shit that I saw from Jordy Ball from her high school career at her final two seasons at Papillion La Vista High School in Nebraska – she went 54 and 0. She gave up 5 earned runs in 276 innings and also hit 58 career home runs. What? 54 and 0 and then gave up 5 earned runs in 2 years? <laughs> and by the way, topped it off with 58 dingers. <laughs> Holy shit. Is this girl the greatest high, is this girl the greatest softball player who's ever lived? What if she goes to Nebraska and leads them to two national titles? I don't think it's going to happen. But maybe they'll get some transfers in that because now that she's going there, they might bring some other people in. I don't know. But what if Jordy Ball finishes his, her career, I don't know, 80 and 5 with four national championships? Like I, there's, I, I'd be curious to know what the greatest high school, uh, what the greatest college softball career was. I've never heard of 54 and 0 in high school. I've heard some pretty really ridiculous numbers. Hell, the high school that I went to, our pitcher was a stud. Shout out to Kerry Dolan, 
I don't remember what her record was, but I remember going to a couple softball games because I might have been dating one of the players. I remember going to one of the softball games, a playoff game, and our pitcher, it was like scoreless through the 14th inning, and she's still winging it in there at 65 miles an hour. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, how many pitches has she thrown? And then we found out like it was like 130 or 140, something ridiculous. Whatever the case may be, her name was Carrie Dolan. She was a great high school pitcher. I'm sure her stats were ridiculous. But they weren't 54-0 and ridiculous with five earned runs in two years in over the course of her junior and senior year. And, oh, yeah, 58 home runs. So congratulations to Jordy Ball. Number one, you're my new favorite player in college softball. Number two, I will pay attention next year to college softball before the Women's College World Series because I just want to follow this girl's career. I want to see her just win everything. I just want to see her win every start and never give up any runs and hit home runs and have an ERA under one. So I'll be watching Jordy Ball. Good luck to you next year, probably at the University of Nebraska. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please pass this podcast along to your friends. It's very much appreciated. Rate and review if you'd like to as well. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.